Welcome back to our latest episode of EIU Panthers Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. Eastern Illinois baseball has had three players selected in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft, most recently with the selection of Trey Sweeney in the 2021 draft by the New York Yankees. Tim Piznarski was the first of those three Panthers selected when the Oakland A's tabbed him with the 15th overall pick in the 1981 Major League Baseball draft. He joins us today to talk about his playing time at EIU, his path in professional baseball that included a stint in the big leagues with the San Diego Padres, and what life after baseball has held for him. This is our third season of EIU Panthers podcast, and previous episodes can be heard by searching EIU Panthers podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeart Podcast, and Amazon Podcast. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of EIU Panther Athletics. Want to learn more about the power of broadband for your home or business? Then visit consolidated.com today. The EIU fall sports seasons are hitting the final stretch of run of the year with Ohio Valley Conference Championships coming up later in October in women's soccer and cross country. This weekend at home, EIU will host men's soccer and swimming. For the latest schedules, stats, and other news about EIU athletics, visit us online at eiupanthers.com or you can follow us on social media at Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers or Instagram at EIU Panther Nation. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers podcast with former baseball Panther standout Tim Piznarski. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers podcast. We are joined today by former EIU baseball player Tim Piznarski. And I'm, first of all, I'm going to hope that I'm pronouncing that right. And then I'm going to ask you a couple other questions based on that. But uh, am I in the ballpark there, Tim? Yeah, Rich, you're pretty much right on. Okay. Uh, first time try, I think. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on today, too. So then my my, my next question is, is, is your name is, is a very uncommon name, I guess, from that standpoint. During your long career as, as a player, I guess, how many different ways did you, did you, have you heard it pronounced? And maybe what was the, the oddest or the worst pronunciation you had heard? You know, I, I don't remember too many people getting it too bad. Um, I do, I've got a couple recordings back when I was playing in Atlanta for San Diego and uh, Skip Carey actually got it right. And those guys got it right the first okay. time they tried. So, uh, uh, yeah, not. I don't remember too many guys uh, butchering it, um, but you know, it's, it's it's probably not that uncommon in Poland. So yeah, <laughs> it's just in a different different area. No, it's very true. It's probably all all based on where you're you're from. It, it may be a name like a Smith or a Jones in 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 that country there. So exactly. Yeah, my uh, grandparents came over from uh, Poland, and uh, my mom's came from uh, the Czech Republic over there. So Middle Eastern European. So I guess the next question would be is how many, I, I know I have personally misspelled it. I guess you, you probably have the, the spelling of it is probably what gets butchered maybe more so than the pronunciation. Yeah, uh, I've seen it messed up a few times. You know, um, they go off a of sound rather than uh, seeing it uh, in writing. But, uh, you know, you get used to it. Uh, that, that stuff doesn't bother me at all. But uh, unfortunately, I didn't get enough time in the big leagues for everybody to remember how to spell it. <laughs> Correctly. Well, your your time here yeah. in Eastern Illinois was 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 memorable. You you played here, of course, in the 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 late seventies and the early eighties. Had a very memorable career here in the kind of the the end of the heyday of the Division Two era for for EIU. I guess what do you kind of 
remember most about about those days and then I know you're still active around the game of baseball now what what is the maybe the some of the things you noticed have changed the most drastically since you got done playing well you know we uh, I was fortunate uh, when I played at Eastern to play with a just a great bunch of guys uh, headed up by one of the probably I think one of the best college coaches of his time uh, Tom McDevitt uh, he taught us, uh, he prepared us for professional baseball, and he prepared us to try to, to have a life after baseball. Um, today, what I see in the game is, uh, I don't know, I, I think I see a, a lot of uh, lack of respect for the game, sort of. Uh, kind of turns me off a little bit. I'm, I'm watching a little bit of the playoffs uh, right now, but uh, I just think uh, uh, these younger kids just, uh, you know, the old saying was, you, you don't want to get too high and you don't want to get too low. You want to keep an even keel. And these guys, um, they get really, really high. And it uh, looks like when they're not doing well, they get really, really low, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so we're always taught uh, respect for the game um, and the fundamentals, you know, how to how to win ball games. And I think that's sort of lacking. Yeah, just my perspective, you know, whether it's right or wrong. Um, I don't want to get anybody upset out there, but yeah. I, I just – you know, I don't see runners being moved. I don't see situational hitting. I see everybody shifting on one side of the field and guys can't hit the ball the other way and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's stuff that we were taught um, and a lot from the Tom McDevitt um, taught us how to handle the bat and how to, uh, what to do in certain situations when you're up there. It's interesting you say that baseball seems to be maybe the most, I guess, humbling of all games. And the fact that a, if you, are successful four out of 10 times, you're going to be a hall of famer. Whereas three out of 10 times gets you probably a living two out of 10 times and people want to get rid of you, but the, you're always going to be below 50% in terms of your success rate. If you're an offensive player. Exactly. That's what makes the game so mentally tough. And it's the guys that's uh, that mentally prepare uh, are the ones that, I see excel very well. Um, it is, you know, um, even I see a lot of 200 hitters that are making a living in the big leagues nowadays. You know, I, I don't know how many 300 hitters uh, there are in, in the past 10 years, but I think that it's gone uh, way down. And I see, uh, and I know Kevin Seitzer can answer this better than I can, him being a, a major league hitting coach in the big leagues for a long time. Now he's with Atlanta. Uh, they're using a lot of statistics and, 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 and things like that. And rather than uh, mentally preparing um, for what you got to do during a ball game, you know, uh, there is, there's a lot of ups and downs and, and if you don't know how to handle it, uh, it, it, you know, you end up being in a, in a prolonged slump. Now you talk about that from, from an offensive standpoint, you of course graduated from EIU had one of the best individual seasons of all time and Panther history hit as a, your, your final year here with EIU hit, 443, 22 home runs, 78 RBIs. Uh, most of those are our school records, a single season standpoint. The year before you you had had good numbers as, as well. What was maybe your difference between that 1980 season and that 1981 season that allowed you to make even that greater gain offensively? Um, I think it comes from a lot of uh, hard work. Uh, Skip really uh, worked us hard. I think the other one is maturing a little more. And I'll never forget uh, a good friend of mine, Rick Phillippe. Uh, he's down in Texas now. I, uh, I know he had a little uh, health problems. I hope he's doing well. 
Uh, one thing he said to me that stuck in my head uh, that season was don't, don't make a movement to the ball till you see the ball. And it, it couldn't have been so true. And I, I kind of kept that in the back of my head the whole time I was playing a game. And I teach kids when I do work with them, you know, you, you can't hit what you don't see. And if, uh, if you don't work on picking up the ball out of the pitcher's hand and being able to pick up arm angles, stuff like that, um, it makes tough and uh, hitting a lot tougher than what it should be. But uh, that, I, I think it was just uh, uh, a lot of uh, having a lot more confidence going in my junior year and uh, having a great big, uh, great group of guys uh, playing behind us. We had, uh, you know, sites are in the lineup, Matt Simo, Rich Koenig. We had, uh, we had a bunch of good hitters, uh, good guys off the field uh, that we wanted to hang out with. And we, we grew together as a group. And I think that helped me out a lot. Now, the other thing, I, I'll make sure that we have this accurate in the, in the record book, because I know sometimes things get, get misprinted over, over the years. Twice we're an All-American here, once as a second baseman, the second time as an outfielder. I want to make sure if that, if that first is that accurate. And then two, what precipitated the, the move from being an infielder to being an outfielder in, your, in that jump there between your sophomore and junior seasons? Uh, part of it had to do uh, with uh, my shoulder. Um, Skip moved me from third to second. And hopes that I, you know, making shorter throws was going to help me out. Um, I don't, I never saw myself as a second baseman, uh, but Skip worked with me hard and uh, got me to learn the position uh, fairly well. Uh, he just thought I felt more comfortable playing the outfield. Um, and just, you know, on warm days, I throw uh, infield practice from right field. And my, I, I had a fairly decent arm. And so um, he wanted to show the scouts everything was geared on. Uh, uh, preparing myself uh, to get the professional baseball. So being able to play all those positions, uh, I think, helped me out. And that's one reason uh, when I played professional baseball, they moved me around. I was only moved to first base because of my shoulder. And then they always wanted me to be able to play up the outfield. And when they moved me out there, I was, next thing I know, I was getting another uh, scope done on my shoulder. Um, so that, I, I think it, uh, it, it came down to skip making that move and uh, in the long run, it really helped me out. We had Kevin Seitzer playing third base, and we switched off playing third in, in, in the outfield. And, and Seitz was, ever to, was able to play almost any position he wanted to play. Uh, very talented, uh, not off as a hitter, but as a position player, too. So, again, it came down to uh, Skip wanting to make sure I, I was uh, as comfortable as possible uh, defensively. And it helped me out. Now, for you, you talked about how that, that versatility was able to help you out and how Skip McDevitt really prepared you to for life in professional baseball. You ended up being um, a first round draft selection by the Oakland A's. I guess I've I've had this conversation with with Trey Sweeney about how he, his draft experience went when he was the latest first round draft pick. My guess is that there wasn't a trip to Vegas and ESPN and all those things back in in the early '80s when you got got that first round draft pick. I, I guess how did that process go? Uh, well, uh, believe it or not, I, we knew that on draft day, I was out playing golf with my dad Okay. and we got a, phone, we got a phone call, uh, somebody from the golf course that we used to play all the time over in, uh, Palos Heights, Illinois over here, uh, came out on the golf course that, Hey, you find out you've been drafted first round, you know? And, and, uh, so I, I, I don't recall if he finished playing and, and went from there, but I do recall what it took to get a signing done. And I had two of the best stages at the time. 
Bob Gahuli and Jim Browner, who uh, really took uh, uh, it was a, it wasn't I wouldn't call it stalemate, but I think I was coming off of uh, Charlie Finley's uh, team when he sold it to the Haas family. Okay. And Charlie Finley never never signed a first round pick, to my knowledge. Uh, that's what I was told. And that was one of the first round picks that Oakland signed. And the Haas family wanted to show Oakland that you know they're serious. They want to make a contending contending team. Put something like that on the field. Uh, so. They, it pretty much got done in about five minutes of the hotel room outside of O'Hare airport. Okay. And, uh, from that day or two later, I was uh, on a plane going to uh, Bend, Oregon for extended spring training and went to play Modesto, California after that. Okay. And then at that, it, it's kind of interesting that there's one of you're one of three first round draft picks ever for EIU baseball. They've had a, had a bunch of guys get drafted, but to be a, a first rounder, you guys were fortunate enough and coach Anderson, I was able to, <laughs> have him get this picture you Trey Sweeney who I just mentioned and then Stan Roy are the, are the three you guys were able to get together and, and took a group photo at the EIU alumni outing what advice now that Trey is going through this as a a guy that's been been through the I guess the the rigmarole of, of being a first rounder is there did he kind of pick you guys you and Stan's brain that day or did you guys have just kind of some advice for him on how to I guess, navigate his career? Uh, no, he, he didn't ask for anything. Uh, all I, uh, it's the first time I met Trey, and he seems like a very well-to-do uh, young gentleman. He looks, I think he's going to be successful just in the, the few minutes I had a chance to talk to him. Uh, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think he's going to have any issues uh, going through the, the minor league system. Uh, he's got, uh, I think he was a couple inches taller than me. And I think, I don't know if he's still playing shortstop in a, in a minor league organization for the Yankees, but, uh, for a shortstop, he's very tall, looks very strong. Uh, and he seemed to be a very humble gentleman and I appreciated that. And Stan Warrior was just a super guy too. Stan, very successful. Uh, he was on successful on the field and off the field. Um, there are two guys that, uh, I was on. And uh, honored to be able to be in a group of, of with those other two to be, you know, the only first round picks for baseball out of Eastern Illinois. I think uh, uh, very fortunate. Now, the other thing that I was going to kind of ask you about that is, so you became the the first of those three guys that were first round draft picks, but uh, it's kind of started, if you, if you were to go look in the record book, there ended up being a, then a string of guys that really kind of got drafted off of those good teams that that Skip McDevitt kind of had, what was it? Uh, you kind of mentioned that he kind of prepared you guys for that professional life. Is is that kind of what it was that that made Eastern a place that scouts wanted to come look because they knew that guys were going to be ready to kind of make that jump into minor league baseball? Yeah, Skip had a uh, was well known uh, in the pro baseball with with the scouts and the organizations and stuff. Uh, Skip played minor league ball for, I, I don't know how many years. I don't know exactly uh, his whole history of minor league ball, but I know he was a good ball player when he did play. Uh, so he had the experience and he was able to uh, teach that uh, all his, especially in the area. And I think uh, he uh, was able to let certain scouts know if he had, you know, Skip knew to uh, his talented players were and, it's amazing. I'll never forget the story. He came out uh, when I was in high school, my senior year. Uh, this is how much 
Skip knew about talent and teams and stuff. And uh, he came and watched us on the fourth game of our season. We're, I think it may have been snowing. We were playing on a makeshift field over at Marist High School. And uh, we won the game. And, and Skip came back and told his group of guys back in uh, spring of 78, he goes, I just watched the uh, state championship team play. And we went on to win the state championship that year. Um, that's how much Skip knew about uh, talent and being able to, you know, pick out the guys that he wanted uh, to play for him and being able to prepare everybody for uh, after college uh, was key, but Skip knowing uh, who the guys were and being able to get scouts out there to see him. I think that had a lot to do with a lot of guys getting signed in professional baseball contracts. And then for you, you talked about being able to get that opportunity to play professionally. You were able to do that. You, you signed with the A's, played in their minor league system for a number of years, including, I know, winning several different awards. What kind of maybe was a, a good memory from, from that experience? And then I know that you made your, your major league de debut with a different organization. So I'll get to that in just a minute. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. Uh, most of uh, my success, uh, in pro ball and minor league level uh, was with um, with San Diego. Uh, with Oakland, I had uh, I had a shoulder surgery. I got hurt a couple times. I actually lost the whole most of a summer when I was with Oakland. And so when I got traded from Oakland to San Diego, um, I went and played in Vegas. I had a few injuries that year. Didn't do anything outstanding. Uh, just held my own. And then the following year, uh, Larry Bowe retired from playing professional baseball, decided uh, San Diego signed him as the, their AAA manager. Uh, so I knew I was going to play for Larry Boa and I decided I, I just made, I, I stayed focused and said to the, this year I'm getting to the big leagues and I worked my butt off and I did everything I had to do and was able to become a minor league player of the year for sports and uh, sporting news and tops that year, uh, which was uh, a, for me, it was a good, great achievement. I was very honored um, that I was picked for that. I had, uh, had a good year in Vegas. Uh, and again, that had a lot to do with uh, guys I was playing with. And uh, Larry Bowe being a manager taught me how mentally to be tough. And, and that's what the game's about. The game is, uh, Yogi Berra said it's, uh, what was it, 10% uh, physical and 110% mental. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, and he's exactly right. That game, the game is so mental. The only other game sport that I, I can see that's probably tougher mentally than baseball, and that would be golf. Uh, and golf is because you're, you're out there playing the course on your own. And uh, there's too much downtime. A lot of the other sports, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from like hockey or basketball or, or, or those sports, but you're always moving when you're playing it. And baseball, there's so much downtime and there's so many thoughts that can be going through your head and uh, if you don't know how to control that um, it, it makes the game a lot tougher okay and then as you mentioned you you were able to you had a lot of your success with with San Diego at, at being traded to their organization that's who you ended up making your your major league debut with do you I guess do you I'm assuming that you remember that probably vividly maybe not the exact date but at least the opponent and then maybe kind of what you did performance wise, or is, does that all become a blur at, because it, it's all in the moment. Uh, I remember uh, pretty well when I stepped on the field, I remember what I did. I was fortunate that day, first 
game in the big leagues to face the Cy Young Award winner that year, Mike Scott. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to say he cheated, but I never seen a ball move as much as his ball did. <laughs> uh, so I was fortunate to, to ground out my first at bat. I, I forgot what I did the rest of the game. I actually started off uh, uh, in the big leagues of San Diego 0 for 11, and I got my first hit in the Houston Astrodome off of Bob Nepper. And, okay. Um, so, yeah, that, that stuff, uh, I'll never forget any of that. Um, but it was uh, truly uh, a lot of things go through your head, you know, like I finally made it, you know, and, and I'm playing with these guys that uh, you only saw on TV and get to meet, taken over for Steve Garvey and play with Craig Nettles, Gary Templeton, you know, uh, Tim Flanner, all these guys, Goose Gossage, you know, Hall of, Hall of Fame guys. And uh, it, it's something you can't possibly forget because it, it was such a big deal uh, when I was going through it. And in that era, when you were there, I know you made your debut in 86. The Padres had been to the World Series a, a couple years before that. So the, the excitement there probably had to be similar to what maybe it is now as they're making a playoff run again. Yeah, they had, uh, you know, they pulled it off against the Cubs. And uh, it is, I, I think it's pretty exciting to be in San Diego right now. It looks like they're in for the long haul. They want to they want to give it a shot the next couple of years with the guys they signed. So, um, but we're, uh, when I was in 86, a lot of those guys are kind of getting toward their end of their careers with San Diego. Um, so I, I wouldn't say when I was there, it was the best of, uh, best of times for the team. Uh, it didn't, they didn't have a good season that year, uh, but they still had uh, great ball players on the team. You know, Steve Garvey was toward his end of his career. He still played, I think, a couple of years after that. Uh, Greg Nettles, Templeton, all those guys, they were, you know, they were getting up a, an age a little bit uh, when I played with him. Uh, so it was a, a little different atmosphere than what they have going on right now. But I was, you know, I'll never forget it. And it was, uh, I feel very fortunate. I thank God every day that I was able to do it. Yeah, very happy that uh, I was able to meet those guys. And then for you and I kind of asked you about this before we before we started the podcast, just to, to kind of make sure you were comfortable with it. But injuries kind of, you mentioned already, hampered a little bit of your minor league career. And that ended up being what ended up ending your big league career as well. Yeah, I think uh, I ended up with four shoulder surgeries over the course of almost 10 years. Uh, again, I lost a couple summers because of it. And it, it hurt, um, you know, me getting to the big leagues probably sooner than what I, uh, what I ended up doing. Um, but I, back in 1990, I think I signed a free agent contract with the Cubs. And I, I think it was one of the first years I had to report to minor league camp. And they had me playing right field and I'm throwing infield. Uh, having infield practice thrown from right field. And I, the last one, last time I heard it was making a throw and I felt it snap and then the arm just went dead. And the next morning I couldn't lift it above my head. Um, I had the Cubs doctor look at it and he told me I was back to square one from what Lanny Johnson did uh, arthroscopically a year or two before that. And uh, I, you know, it was very disappointing to hear that. Uh, I came home, re I knew how to rehab it. And I went through everything for so many years. So uh, I tried rehabbing it for about a month, went back out to Wrigley Field to throw for him. And he wanted me to go to a, uh, Iowa to play right, uh, left field, I think, because they had Hector Villanueva playing first base. 
And uh, the next day, again, after throwing at Wrigley Field, I had trouble lifting my shoulder. And I, I said, listen, I got to be honest with you guys. I can't play the outfield every day. My, I just, my shoulder can't take it. I can probably go play first base every day, but I can't play the outfield. And I said, all right, well, we'll let you know. We'll give you a call if we need you or something, yeah. you know. And that's how it ended. Um, so I didn't, wasn't able to go out so much on my terms, which is I, w- I would have liked to do. Um, and at the same time, I, I had uh, my second daughter when I came back from spring training after hurting my shoulder with the Cubs. I remember picking her up in my parents' house who were watching her. And I, I, I went to pick her up and uh, she didn't know who I was. And I said, you know, this isn't good. <laughs> I didn't have kids for somebody else to raise them. I could have probably stayed in baseball if I wanted to, and I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be away from my, my daughters. And uh, uh, I'm glad that I, I didn't because um, I, I, w- I didn't want to miss out on the time uh, that I had with them. Very good. And then life after baseball then for you, I know um, I, I know you're active still. You, I think you helped coach some the, the high school that you went to up there in the Chicago area and kind of, I guess, catch people up on – on what life has been for you like after the the days playing baseball uh i did uh I, i'm not right now i'm not uh coaching at maris i did for a few years uh, got to know a guy that uh the head coach at the time uh asked me to come I, my daughter went to school there so i helped him out uh with, on the hitting side of things i then got into um not too long after baseball i had a gentleman come up and asked me if I wanted to get in sales. And I said, you know, I'm used to people asking me, me for stuff. I, I don't know if I could <laughs> possibly go and ask other people, you know, to do things for me. And, and, uh, but I, I gave it a try. And, and, uh, big reason I went to work for him is because, uh, he was a member of Medina and I was able to play Medina country club, uh, when I wanted to and stuff. So it was basically a metal finishing business. Uh, what I handle, I'm a, right now I'm, I'm an independent rep. Uh, for a few different uh, metal finishing companies around Chicago area and one in Michigan, uh, Freedom Finishing, uh, Gloria and Eric over there, uh, who I sell for. I've been doing it for, I don't know, 18 years with them or something like that, 20 years. Uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, It gives me a lot of free time. I'm able to get my golf in in between uh, when I need to see customers or get work done. So uh, it's I've been for, uh, fortunate to stick it out and go on my own. And, uh, you know, life, so far, uh, life's been great. I, I enjoy it. And uh, as long as I can get out and golf when I want to golf, <laughs> that's, for me, it's the whole key. That sounds like a very, very good philosophy there. Well, Tim, I do appreciate your time. It was good catching up with you and kind of hearing some of those stories. And it was good to have you back on campus a, a couple weeks ago. And uh, like I said, I do appreciate your time. And thanks for being a guest on our EIU Panthers podcast. Great, Rich. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot.